Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus is on the move. Where's he going? (laughs) It's a question. Well, he's continuing on his journey to Jerusalem. For all the roads in his life have been leading to the fulfillment of his mission. In Jerusalem, or rather outside of its walls, his mission to seek and to save the lost, to serve sinners in love and make them what they are not, will find its end. Jesus is on the move, and the cross, which is always looming in the foreground, is growing closer and closer. For those who have been following Jesus on this journey, that is, his disciples, they have been schooled along the way, from Capernaum to Judea by the Jordan. Jesus has been teaching about about life, living life in the kingdom of God which for the disciples and for us is a here and now present reality, not just a out there someday eschatological fulfillment. Nor is it simply a goal simply to be achieved or a destination to to arrive at. For the kingdom of God is come in Jesus. And Jesus has come to drive out demons. He He values the humble and the needy. Jesus diagnoses the problem of sin and offers himself as its cure. Jesus lays aside his glory to join in humanity's suffering and and to actually do something about it. And the disciples, then and now, they're invited to take part in this here and now kingdom of God. Now on the move again, ever heading to Jerusalem, a rich young man approaches Jesus. We look at his fine robes, woven with expensive linens, dyed in deep and vibrant colors. See his fingers adorned in polished gold rings and and how clean uh, his sandals are. Oh, all these signs of his wealth they stand in sharp contrast to the dusty, well-worn, and traveled garments of Jesus. The two standing side by side were a sight to behold. One dressed in the nines, the other looking like he's dressed in rags by comparison. The rich young man had all the appearance of the favor and blessing of God, at least outwardly, And Jesus, well now, Jesus, we see by faith, we see him as he is, the king of glory who is cloaked in humility, with all the treasures of heaven at his disposal, but not giving one hint of it in his clothing or in any worldly possession. Good teacher, the rich young man asks, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. That salutation and the question are telling. First, the question, what must I do to inherit, to inherit eternal life? As a, as a Jewish man, he may have believed that entering into the covenant with God was purely by grace. 
but that one must do something, perform something, work at something in order to remain in this covenant. What must I do? What work is given to me? What task? How shall I labor? You see how this question leads to the fact that there's some goal in mind, some end payout, some wage that is earned. What must I do to earn the wage of eternal life? How is it that I reach that goal? I want eternal life, but what do I have to do to get it? That's the question that he's asking. And who better to ask than the good teacher? Now, Jesus quickly points out that only God is good. And the irony is that this man doesn't see Jesus as God, even when Jesus is hinting hard at his divinity. And so Jesus, God in the flesh, teaches this man what must be done in order to earn the wage of eternal life. He says, look at the second table of the law of Moses, young man. Remember commandments 4 through 10? These commandments focus on what one person must do for the service of others. Honor your parents. Keep the marriage bed pure. Do not defraud, kill, or slander others. Do not covet what others have, either in their possession or in their relationships. Do what the prophets command. Love justice. Do mercy. Do all these things, and then you will earn eternal life. In other words, live your whole life serving your neighbor in love. In innocent ignorance, the rich man confesses that all of these things he has kept since his youth. And we all say with Jesus, Yeah, right. It's out of love for this man that Jesus doesn't leave him in his ignorance. But the good teacher seizes this opportunity to take him to school and and to give him an education. And not surprisingly, it's on the law of Moses again, but this time focusing on the first table, commandments one through three, how one is to live in relation to God. Rich young man, Jesus says, One thing you lack, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Now, Jesus is not content to leave this rich young man in his innocent ignorance, thinking that eternal life is only and simply a destination to arrive at, a goal to achieve, or a wage to earn by keeping part or all of the moral law. Jesus loves this man too much to leave him confident in his own works or in his own earthly wealth and riches, both of which have become for this man, false gods. His piety and his wealth have become the idol of his worship. And just as Jesus said earlier that if your eye causes you to sin, you should gouge it out, so too does he say if your wealth or if your piety is the source of your sin, then give it away. 
He loves this man too much to leave him dead in his sin. Jesus instead invites the man to follow him. Enter into a relationship of faith. Follow your dusty good teacher as he travels the way to Golgotha. And there you will find the true and only and appropriate object of worship. For there you will find God in the flesh serving his creation by offering himself as the atoning sacrifice for all of our sin. The focus comes back to Jesus. In the gracious invitation to follow him, Jesus is inviting this man to the first table of commandment, the first table of the commandments, that is, the right worship of the good God. Follow me, Jesus calls, so that the man would experience new life here and now, not simply as a goal to achieve. Follow me, calls Jesus, and experience a present life of living in God's kingdom. Follow me, Jesus calls, and enter into the already present rule and reign of God, breaking into this age of sin and death. The rich young man, as we read, was disheartened by this saying, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I pray that as as you hear these words of our Lord, the good teacher, Jesus Christ, that you would not be disheartened, but rather encouraged. I pray that you would not go away sorrowful, but that you would follow Jesus joyfully. Indeed, the casting down or the cutting off of that which is a false god at first grieves the flesh that wants to hold on to these false hopes and empty promises. But as it is replaced with a life of following Jesus, well, then there is hope and joy both of body and soul beyond all measure. And it starts in our baptism where the Lord comes to us in the humility of his word with water to drown the sinful nature and to rise us even there to a new life in Christ. Your baptism is the beginning of following our Lord Jesus. Not only that, but it is the beginning of living a new life under Christ's gracious rule and reign. It is a day where you can say with certainty, God's kingdom has come to me, and he has made me his own. Our lives of following Jesus flow out of our baptism. For in his church and by his spirit, we learn to deny ourselves, even to die to our sinful nature, and to rise daily to Christ in faith that he will see us through this life. Here we learn how to live as people of hope, as we hear his faithful promises. Here we learn to love as as we see how Christ himself loved others. And here we learn to serve as God and Christ has and continues to serve us. Jesus is on the move. He journeyed to the cross for that is where he would serve his creation. The king of glory with all the riches of heaven gave all so that 
so that he might purchase and win you from sin, from death, and the power of the devil. Not with gold or silver, but with his holy, innocent suffering and death. By shedding his precious blood, that you would be his own. That you would live in his kingdom with all holiness, innocence, and blessedness until that great and glorious day when the fullness of life eternal is revealed. The good teacher willingly and joyfully hung between bad men to serve them and us. And his works are enough to secure for us eternal life. We are baptized. Our lives are in Christ. We follow Jesus. Five weeks ago, brothers and sisters in Christ, I, I stood before you and I said that that Jesus is the object of our faith. Remember that? Jesus is the object of our worship. And that kicked off our sermon series on the ministry pillars. If we have worship wrong, that is to say, if Jesus isn't the focus of our worship, then, we ha- then, then that and the rest of the pillars fall. But if, if our worship is rightly oriented to Jesus then the rest of the pillars stand in right relationship with the others. This week's conversation with the rich young man reminds us of this once again. We don't do our works of service, or any good work for that matter, to gain favor with God. We do good works of service and others because our neighbor's in need of them. And in so doing, we follow Christ. We seek to practice and proclaim God's love with conviction and courage in our households, our congregation, and beyond. And as such, education, fellowship, evangelism, and now service are all done in right relation to God. Our faith in Christ compels our love for our neighbor. It corrects us and guides us so that we do not fall into the worship of our own works or our will. Fill this command of love. It's his love that empowers our lives as witnesses. And that fills our hearts with joy as we follow him to reach the target of every member living out Christian service to others. Jesus is on the move, even here and now. For this congregation, the ministry pillars are clear, the targets are defined, the goals and the tasks, well, that will be our work. Not so that we can inherit eternal life, but because Christ and his kingdom have come to us, and he has set us free to good works of service for our neighbor. The invitation stands. Jesus says, come follow me. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.